Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to Square One. A podcast where we take our guests back to square one, where they first started their business, so that you can learn from their successes and failures. Brought to you by Isaiah and Malcolm with Omni Home Services. Today we're super excited. We've got the one and only Matt Hollander. The guy doesn't really need an uh, introduction, but he's a serial entrepreneur, super experienced businessman, and the author of this super cool book called The Daily Climb. Matt, thank you very much for coming into our podcast today. Man, I'm excited to be here. This is fun and down the street from my house. So this is, I I do podcasts around the country, but this one's fun because it's close by and local. So I'm happy to be here. We built the whole studio just because it was close to your house. (laughs) I know you didn't, but (laughs) thank you. (laughs) Matt, I think a lot of people here in Chattanooga know you as the Holco guy and you built a very successful business there and sold it. Um, Our listeners are, you know, aspiring entrepreneurs and and current business people i'd love for you to tell us if you would what you learned how you built that business and sold it for such a a a large amount and then um you're involved with so many different things now um i'd love to get into your leadership tactics for all those people that are running their other companies now that's a lot of questions it is Uh, so um i bought the business from my father in 2007 he had started the business back in the 70s and i just got really involved in peer groups and um my dad like we wouldn't be where where we got without him but he he just worked hard he just he was a grinder he gave it all he had but he did not uh seek outside advice and so when i got involved i started reading industry magazines and I reached out to peers. I got involved with the NAHB, National Association of Home Builders. Uh, They call them 20 clubs. And um, I got to be around other entrepreneurs that were running successful businesses. And I realized that I didn't have to figure it out on my own. I just uh, copied what they were doing. So I was good at marketing. So if one of them needed advice on marketing, I would I would help them. If I needed help with production, I would go to the guy in the group that was best at production. And we just really helped each other. I was in that group for about 15 years. And I I contribute that probably to be the number one uh, reason that we achieved the success we had is just learning from others and copying what they were doing and I'm really not original with anything. I just um, learned from others. So we grew from 07 until I sold. We had three locations and covered the whole right side of the state, um, North Georgia, North Alabama, North Carolina, a little bit of Kentucky. And we were big on vision. Um, I I went to a, a business school, which I recommend to any small business owner. Uh, it's called Aileron, and it's in Dayton, Ohio. Uh, Aileron, A-I-L-E-R-O-N dot org if you want to look it up but aileron is the the small flap on an airplane's wing that gives it lift and um a guy named clay mathiel he passed away this past year but i was fortunate enough to get mentored by him but he started iams dog food uh back in the 80s and he had a vision to become the world's largest pet food supplier and he did and uh, he sold it to procter and gamble 1997 for 2.3 billion 
Um, and so I learned a lot at that. They have a course for managers, a course for presidents. They have um, how to set up a board. Uh, they encouraged me to set up a board, and I had a board of advisors um, that helped me along the way. So I think a lot of, um, whether it's home services or any, any business or small business, um, I, I feel like I have a lot to share with them about how I did what I did or got where I got through all those things peer group one having a vision um working toward your vision for example at holco our vision was sell and produce 25 million dollars annually and remain the largest home improvement company in east tennessee and so we talked about that every day every manager meeting and uh, that's what we strive to do so everybody knew that was our goal and what we were trying to achieve um i could keep rambling on about <laughs> i forget your other questions but that's that's how I did what I did with Holco is really learning from peers and then having a vision of where we wanted to get and working toward that vision every day. I love it. So you sold Holco and now you're involved with way too much. Way too much. So can I cuss on here? You absolutely can. Way too much shit. Okay. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a problem. In fact, I listened, to, I could walk in five miles every morning and I started listening to my own book and I'm like, you know, at the pulpit and in the congregation because I can tell you how to do it. It's like somebody, I can see a bad golf swing, but I can't <laughs> fix it myself. Um, but yeah, it's, I'm trying to narrow my focus, but I do have um, a few entities now, V2 Holdings, V2 Properties, V2 Ventures, V2 Aviation, V2 Strategy, and they're all um, mostly related around real estate. And then V2 Strategy um, is how I promote my book. And then I do some speaking and consulting uh, around that but v2 is a aviation term so when when a plane's going down the runway most people wouldn't hear this unless you're sitting up front listening to the pilot but they say v1 then they tell the tower rotate and then when they say v2 that means the plane has reached a speed that it has to take off like there's no turning back and so it's just an analogy about taken off and there's no turning back so i love that as a name thanks for sharing that uh i'm sure we could spend three days talking about those other entities that you have but i mean actually listen to the pulpit and the congregation part this morning of your book and you also say you know it's about the who so how do you now share the vision and expectations and leadership roles with the people that are helping with those other entities you know, I read a book about a year ago called Who Not How, and um, I'm big on that because I, you play off strengths and weaknesses, and um, honestly, I suck at some. I don't dot I's and cross T's. I'm not all that organized. I have to ask for help to get into my Google Drive. That's just not who I am, but I'm a visionary, and I can find what I want to do, and then you put the team around you that does the other stuff, and so I've been very fortunate in a lot of my ventures. I have partners, and um, fortunately, um, I'm still friends with all of them. Uh, um, funny story, the first partnership, I, uh, this was 13 years ago, I built a mixed-use retail development over in East Brainerd. Uh, we'll call it Glorified Strip Mall. And uh, I asked my father at the time, hey, I'm, I'm thinking about partnering with this guy named Bobby Crone, and I think you know his his family, what do you think? And my dad said, well, I think that's great. The only advice I have is 
I've had two partnerships in my life and one of them's still my friend. And so I've always remembered that and it stuck with me. So I make sure anything I, I do now or a business I might partner in that the partnership makes sense and, and they understand what I'm bringing and I know what they're bringing. Um, and, and that's worked out well for me. I don't like doing stuff alone. I have almost every business I have is a partnership. And so I enjoy that. I think many of our listeners that have had partnerships are like, how the hell are you still friends with them? And I think you just kind of said it a little bit, but could you tell us a little more specifically how that remains as far as specific expectations? And Well, I think it's important to set them uh, to be clear up front. Um, for example, uh, I'll throw out uh, Paul from Channel 3. He's a buddy shout of mine. Shout out Paul Shaheen. Shout out to Paul. We're... Um, we're starting to build short-term rental cabins in Blue Ridge, Georgia. And Paul came to me and said, I think we should do this together. And I said, okay, uh, here's how I can help. Um, and I will help identify, you know, the lot or the property. I'll look at blueprints. I just finished the the window plan for one we're doing this morning. I said, but I, here's what I'm not going to do. And it's what he wanted to do. And I'm like, let's just be clear on the front end this is my lane and this is your lane. So I, and, and I've always done that. I don't, I don't want to be in a partnership where there's anybody that's disgruntled or, or whatever. And there's been some tough love, you know, I'm a partner at Macklemore actually, uh, spent the night last night, first person to spend the night in the hotel. There were three of us there. Oh, wow. Um, and one of my partners and I, uh, Dwayne Horton, great friend, good guy. We're opposites. He's an engineer. He takes his time. He wants to do it right, and I appreciate that. I am go fast, get her done. And so we could butt heads, and we do, but it's healthy, and we get more accomplished because of that. So I think as long as you have that expectation going in that we might not always agree, but we're, we have a vision of where we want to get, we'll end up there together. Uh, kind of switching gears here for a second. You touched earlier on walking five miles in the morning. That's a long ways. So the street I live on a, to the end and back is one mile. I try to do that five times every morning when it's not raining. I put my AirPods in and that's my time to talk to God, listen to podcasts. I listen to a lot of books. Uh, I'm maybe a self-help geek to the extreme and i'm working on that sometimes i need to just put my airpods in my pocket and just absorb what's you know coming in from the big man but yeah i, I enjoy um that that's my time and i think i have adhd and i'm a weirdo and i'm all over the place and if i don't take that time my day doesn't go well so i try to do it every morning that's fair before we get into the book, and uh, I'm really loving this, but our uh, our concept here is learning from failures, and you have on your questionnaire about the uh, the mayor's race. I'd love for you to share whatever you would love about what you learned from running that race. Well, uh, thanks for bringing it up. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't I don't want to share it, but I will since you asked. Um, I learned a lot about politics, and. Um, I felt led to do that. It was just a, I don't know, soul calling. Uh, my dad had been involved in politics his whole life, and I saw what a great public servant he was and being able to help others, and that's really all I wanted to do. I'd sold my business. Uh, I needed something to do, and um, 
I felt like that would give me an opportunity to give back to the community. Uh, I did not realize how dirty it was. And um, there were negative mailers that came out from one of my opponents. And um, it, it hurt it hurt my campaign. There was a time I was up, I was, most polls, I was 71, 72%. And I was a shoe-in. Uh, and I had the support of all the local politicians. I had... Mayor Coppinger was helping me and talking to me. Uh, Sheriff Jim Hammond endorsed me. Congressman Chuck Fleischman endorsed me. Some of the local judges. I think all of the commissioners, except for one, Sabrina. Uh, love Sabrina. Hey, Sabrina. But she was running against me. Um, but I had that support, but I didn't realize public perception, um, unfortunately, you believe what you hear. And so... Um, it was kind of the downfall of my campaign there at the end. So uh, I had a um, consultant from Nashville that reluctantly I hired. I wish I hadn't. I'd rather just done it on my own. But he came to me uh, maybe two weeks prior to uh, the election and said, here's these uh, two TV ads I have that just destroy your competition and run these and you'll win. And I looked at them and they were pretty damning and hurtful to these other two families and i didn't want my daughter to see that from her dad so i'm like i got i'm gonna wing it you know it came down to a few hundred votes and i'm like i'll win or i won't but i'm not gonna win throwing them under the bus and so that's the way it went i think it would have been fairly easy to win had i went negative but uh, I chose not to, and I hope only, I don't care about everybody else or myself, but for my daughter's sake, I hope she remembers the rest of her life that my dad lost that race because he didn't go dirty. It almost brings a tear to my eye. I mean, that just says so much about you and so much about perception being reality and the honest truth is politics it's just a shitty game man like you can't win by saying the good things you gotta condemn the other people that's a shitty way of doing business well and this is just on a little local mayor's race i mean look at what we're about to go through with the national election i mean it's and what's crazy now when you think about what ai is going to do to this election and you know it is just perception and um hopefully people and I, we won't go into the you know national election but i hope people look at the facts you know and i'll be honest i think we i can't believe out of what do we got 350 400 million people live in the united states and these are our two choices um it's horrible but uh, i think you can say that for the, for the last 10 or 12 years yeah. so um thank you for sharing that matt that's uh that says leaps and bounds about you i hope that's in your book later so let's hop right into this book the daily climb by matt hollander this has a foreword from philip fulmer the former uh, head coach of the tennessee vols and he puts a super cool analogy in there where he breaks out 100 pennies and he says hey you're probably going to live to let's say 85 so he throws 15 away and he says how old are you and he's like 45 so he throws 45 away and he says last five years are probably going to suck so he throws and he says it's not about counting your pennies it's about making your pennies count and then you go right into a life lesson where you thought you it was have a good likelihood of having leukemia, right? And you were allowed to reflect 
Uh, and really, it's sad to say because we should probably all have some life lesson that lets us say that what is important. It is your daughter. It is what your daughter think knows you did in a political race. It's what the world may not see. So, jump right into this. Thanks for uh, thanks for writing this book. But hit us on a couple of these principles, please. Yeah, um, people ask why I wrote the book, and I guess it originated from that experience. I went to uh, I had a physical from my primary care doctor and he did my blood work and I had a really low white blood count and uh, what they call neutrophils were low. And he said, I want you to go see an oncologist. And that alone freaked me out. And then I went and they tested me for every genetic anomaly and toxin and virus and they, they couldn't find anything. So um, they wanted me to do a bone marrow biopsy. And so I went in um, he offered to do it in his office, but I was looking over his shoulder and his nurse was like, no, it's painful. Don't do that. And I'm like, I'm a sissy, put me to sleep. So they did. And, um, really nice lady, uh, doctor said, um, it'll be five days before we get your results. And, um, I guess, you know, when you're looking mortality in the eye, those five days changed my life. You know, it was it was difficult. Uh, I won't draw out the ending. I I have what's called Felty syndrome. That was my diagnosis, and I can live with that. Um, but the real diagnosis I got was I wasn't living life on purpose. And um, you know, when you talk about and we talk about time management in the book or counting our pennies, it really puts things in perspective. And that's what I encourage people in the book to do. Um, <clears throat> I didn't do chapters. I just did principles and hopefully they're in the right order maybe they're not but um i do challenge probably the last hundred years of self-help gurus uh about goal setting and and um some people will get mad at this but i say screw goals i don't i've tried it it didn't work for me if you google how many people keep a new year's resolution it's like eight percent and then by the end of the year only ten percent of that eight percent actually kept their new year's resolutions so i'm trying to encourage people to take a different perspective or look on how to for example and i'm big on vision i'm in business and in your personal life if you have a vision of who you want to be in a year or five years or 10 years how you want to look how much money you have who you're married to what you drive whatever just wake up every day and think about how that person would act and what habits they would have uh, versus saying, I'm going to lose 15 pounds. Like that, it, that doesn't work. It, it, I'm going to quit drinking. I'm going to quit smoking. I'm going to be a better husband. Whatever it is, that, that typically, and you can write that down. You can have your daily affirmations if that's what you do. I'm not knocking affirmations, but for me, that didn't work. So I just tried to think about what does Matt look like in five years and wake up every day and act like that guy versus setting goals. So uh, that's principle one in the book. And then, you know, I just went to Nashville last week. There's a company called Brand Builders Group, and they help you identify what is, um, what question are you trying to answer when you write a book? What is the one thing? And you're supposed to narrow it down to one thing. Well, it's difficult for me because I got 10 principles. But if if I couldn't narrow it down to a sentence or two, it would be have a vision of who you want to be. But also, and I'm a Christian, um, 
and the the book of Luke says to whom much is given much is required and I think if you wake up with an open mindset of what's going to happen today and bring it to me God uh, that's to me the the premise of the whole book even though I go into you know all these principles but that's how I want to live my life and I've been doing that probably the last three years or since I had the cancer scare and it's changed my life and I wanted to share it with others. I love it. Can you talk about principle three? Um, so, you know, vision, um, is so big to me and I start principle three by telling the story that I think some younger people don't know and should go back and watch it, but it's where Babe Ruth called his shot. Uh, the Yankees, um, we're playing against the Chicago and uh, I think it was the the fourth game of the World Series and Babe Ruth had two strikes against him and that's when he took his bat and he pointed over center field and he caught his shot. For and the first time in MLB history, right? The world, you know, the whole world heard what happened and he did what he said he was going to do. So, um, it's, it's been big for me in business and in my personal life. And it's what I learned from that business school at Aileron, which is to identify the vision. And when I consult with businesses, um, it blows my mind that, and maybe they don't know, I shouldn't have said that they, for example, I I'm partners in a, um, what's called a DSO, a dental service organization. It's a private equity group where we buy dentist offices. We've uh, about six dentist offices so far but when i got invited to join this group i have three partners i said what's y'all's vision for this company where are we going and i got three completely different answers and i'm like well that's i guess why y'all wanted me to join you so let's figure out before this and we went we had rented a cabin up at macklemore and spent two days together and i said by the time we're done we're going to figure out what our vision is and where we're headed and what we're working toward and then everybody knows and we're on the same page and we can push the team in that direction so i am huge on vision whether it's for a business uh or your personal life i think they're one and the same you you got to know where you want to get as an individual and you got to know where you want to get as a business and then if you work toward that because otherwise you're just doing it doing it doing it but what's the point if you don't know where you want to get sure do you want to highlight, um, I don't know if we missed principle two, uh, but do you want to highlight a little about each principle in your book, Matt? Yeah, I can go quick. Uh, principle one we've talked about, um, I call it wear extra big shoes. That's, you know, the principle of trying to grow into that person that you want to be and your shoes are too big, but every day they fit a little bit better and just, you know, people screw up and I screw up all the time and, but it's two steps forward, one step back. Uh, nobody's perfect, but if you just get a little bit better every day is principle one. Principle two, I said you don't stop for dry cleaning on your way to defuse a bomb. And um, I talk a lot about priorities in the book, and um, I think it's important as an individual to identify what those are. And if you ask me what mine are, I would say God, my wife, my daughter, uh, my friends, and my job. Well, outwardly, that's what I would tell everybody, but internally, I was just a skilled liar. I wasn't doing it. It was the complete opposite. 
I, I was working. I was grinding it out. My wife was coming in third. God was coming in fourth. My daughter was coming in fifth. And it, it was horrible. And so I try, and, and I'm still not perfect at it, but I do think, you know, setting your priorities and then living. It, like for me, living my message is more important than me telling y'all my message. And um, I'm still not perfect at it, but at least it's top of mind and I'm trying. So. Um, that's principle two. Principle three we talked about, which is just really having a vision. Principle four, what goes around comes around. That goes back to, you know, what Luke 21 says, to whom much is given, much is required. And I, I really feel like if you wake up with the mindset of, hey, I'm going to help others today. You know, my wife gets on to me. I do lunches every day and and I help people and I consult and oftentimes I end up buying the lunch and she's like, why do you do that? Like, what are you getting out of that? Um, and it, it, what goes around comes around. I, I'm, I'm very blessed um, to have a beautiful wife and daughter and um, live in a great town and have great friends. And I think it's because of that mindset of what goes around comes around. Uh, principle five is called find a guide. And um, I started thinking about what well, I fish a lot. And sometimes if I go to Alaska or the Bahamas, you pay for a guide because they know what they're doing. I don't. And they can help. Um, and it's the same way. Like <laughs> I'm a member at the honors course and I got a caddy. His name's Bandy. I don't even know if I know Bandy's first name. He's country as a dozen biscuits, but Bandy's awesome. But he knows my golf game. And, like, he just hands me a club. I don't – he knows the course. He knows which way the wind's blowing. He knows what I need to do. And I think um, in life, I have a life coach. I talk to him on the phone all the time. It's finding who can help you versus trying to figure it out on your own which kind of leads into uh, principle six, which is find a tribe. And that goes back to that peer group I was in in business uh, through the Home Builders Association. But I took it another level, and I now do that for individuals. So when I met with my peer group or, quote, tribe uh, in business, we talked about all the business metrics and where do you want to get and what's your volume and what's your profit and culture and team and whatever – but on the individual level, we now do that. We have uh, what I call a one-sheeter. Um, shout out MattHellander.com. You can download your free one-sheeter. But there's a section about money, and you have to be vulnerable. My, we sign NDAs. There's only seven members in my group. We're very private. Um, but we talk about what's your net worth, how's your money uh, di diversified, uh, what are your goals. Then we go into health um, we even before each meeting, we have to go get a it's called fit 3D. It's a body scan. We talk about body fat percentage. Um, we've had doctors come speak to our group. We all get lung screenings um, and we talk about health. And then there's a section called life happiness index. And we talk about our relationship with God and our spouse. And um, there's a number of things we rank one to 10. And in a perfect world, we'd all have tens, but we don't. So then we figure out how do we hold each other accountable. So, for example, without using names, uh, after our last meeting, one guy wanted to get closer to his two sons. Uh, one guy wanted to figure out an exit strategy. He's 62 and needs to figure out what he's going to do with his business. Uh, one guy was scared he had dementia and he was going to go get tested and his wife didn't know about it. Um, 
and it was a number of things that we as a group then can help uh, support them. So I'm big on having a tribe and whether that's, you know, Jim Rohn said, you're the average of the five people you hang around. And I completely believe that. So having a good tribe is important. Um, principle seven, I'm going quick here. Um, principle seven's easy, get fit, stay fit. Um, I may be over the top on this, but my wife and I, we biohack, we take peptides, we got a red bed and we got an infrared sauna and we work out maybe, or she works out too much. Um, but it's, you know, what's the point in all of this if you are unhealthy or have diabetes or you're overweight or you die or you got visceral fat or whatever? Um, so that's seven. Uh, plan to fail is principle eight. That's where I go in a little more detail about the mayor's race. But I also talk about other failures I've had in my life. And sometimes there are failures that there's not a good reason for. Um, I lost a brother-in-law in a car wreck. Um, what's the lesson there? Bad shit happens and you, you got to pick yourself up and go on. Uh, but there is a lot of lessons learned from failures. Uh, I don't wake up every day trying to fail, but when it happens, you can learn a lesson. Uh, principle nine is purpose. And I think people go through life trying to answer that question. And I think it's okay if you don't know the answer as long as you're trying to figure out what it is, maybe you are living your purpose and you don't know it. Uh, the last principle is my eulogy. Uh, oh, and I actually, some people think that's morbid. Uh, I don't because just like I talk about vision, uh, you got to start with the end in mind. So I wrote my eulogy like I was 90 years old when I died. And what did I achieve? Um, my dad had a really good friend, um, Paul McDaniel. His daughter's Paula McDaniel, local realtor here in town. And Paul died in a, a plane crash uh, when I was a teenager. And uh, I'll never forget going to his funeral. And Larry Williams was a pastor. It was Udawal Baptist Church. And Larry got on stage and said, you know, most of the time the preacher wants to preach at a funeral. And he said, it's not my responsibility to tell you about Paul's life, it's yours. And he pointed at the 500 people sitting there and there were two microphones on the stage and people just lined up and started telling stories about Paul and celebrating his life. So I end the book the same way anybody listening, uh, the way your life's gonna end with a funeral. I mean, it, it could be tomorrow and hopefully it's in 50 or 100 years. But it puts it in perspective. Think about, and you've probably not done this exercise, but when you die, let's say you're 93 years old, what are people going to say about you? And so if you think about that now, uh, it goes back to the whole vision thing. And I think it's a powerful way to self-reflect on how you want to be remembered and who you, who you helped. And it, it normally has zero to do with money. It has zero to do with status. It has zero to do with anything material. It's what difference did I make? Did you have a favorite principle when you were writing this map? No, I think when I wrote this and what gave me the inspiration was this weird, when I would go walking, I would just try to shut everything off and let God talk to me. And it was when, when I did that, it was amazing to me what would happen that day. 
Like it blew me away the stuff that would happen or the people that I would impact or what good could come from having that mindset. Because I think if you go through life with a closed mindset, nothing happens. And so I guess the underlying principle to answer your question is being open minded. I love this. And I, I love how you preface the book um, with being just a normal guy, because really all these principles I think we always overthink when we're reading today's books and it's just like it's so far fetched to uh, you know set a goal or whatever it is. But this is like this is simple shit. It's so simple. Almost, you know, I was asked when I went through this workshop with this brand builders group in Nashville last week, um, who is your audience? And my audience is just a normal person. Um, I'm not overly educated. I'm not a scholar i'm not it really i'm not an author i am now but i just wrote it for the normal person that needs to hear this and you know what encourages me and i don't know what to do with this i don't know i'm donating all the proceeds to a foundation my wife and i believe in but like i had lunch with a guy yesterday did not know the guy uh gene gene leslie from chickamauga shout out gene he said i read your book and it changed my life and i gave it to all my friends and then I got a phone call last night, a number. I normally don't answer numbers. I don't know. And it was a guy that said, I, I just read your book, and it changed my life. I had a guy reach out from Knoxville last week. He said, my wife's got cancer. We're going through a lot right now, and your book made a difference. So that's why I keep trying to promote it. The problem for me is I didn't, other than I guess I have a personal brand in Chattanooga, but I don't outside of Chattanooga. Nobody knows who I am. Most people have a big personal brand. They're the Tony Robbins of the world, and they write a book, or John Maxwell just wrote his 88th book, and they can sell millions of books because they already have an audience. Uh, I didn't have a personal brand. I did it backwards, but I wrote, I think, a good book, and now I'm just trying to share and spread it. and get. I give away more books than I sell, but I think it's making a difference in people's life. How does that make you feel when somebody calls you out of the blue and says, you changed my life? Uh, I don't want to feel like self-gratified or whatever, but it gives me encouragement that I helped them in some way in what really is just basic stuff. I mean, it's just, I think they just need reminded. I mean, when we went through those 10 principles, nothing's earth shattering. It's just, it's a good reminder of, you know, stuff they probably already knew that they needed to hear again and they heard it at the right time. I really appreciate you sharing um, the plan to fail. Sometimes just shit happens. I think we can, uh, we all can go through an experience that we're like, why, why did that happen? And just sometimes it happens. Yeah. A lot of times, you know, everybody talks about plan to fail and fail to win and whatever. And I guess in business, you can learn lessons and you'll be better next time. Uh, But in life, sometimes just, you know, I reflect on, you know, when my daughter was six years old, she got chewed up in the face by a dog. She had a hole in the side of her face the size of a quarter. We're freaking out. She's plastic surgery, the whole deal. And you're like, well, what lesson was learned there? Shit happens. Shit happens. Um, luckily now, she's absolutely beautiful. You can hardly see the scar. And uh, maybe she got stronger because of it. But um, sometimes just bad shit happens. So. Uh, the 2011 tornado hit my house dead on F5, 202 miles an hour. Uh, I lost relatives. I lost an employee. Um, we lost a lot that day. And, you know, looking back, you can say, well, what 
lesson was learned there. There wasn't one. Just bad shit happens, and between now and the end of your life, some other bad shit's going to happen. Um, but it's wake up the next day, suck it up, figure it out. Who can you help? You got to go on. You can't sulk and you know have self pity. Um, and a lot of people are going to do that. And I understand you have to you have to mourn. Uh, I get that, but then you got to move on. Matt, what's the foundation that is you're supporting on the sales of this book? So uh, we're donating the proceeds to the Jason Foundation. Uh, they're based out of Nashville, but they operate in all 50 states, and they raise awareness for teenage suicide and uh, awareness and prevention of suicide. Uh, the founder, Clark Flatt, a great friend of mine, he uh, lost his son to suicide when his son was 16. And his son that morning woke up and called two of his best friends and told them, this is where and when and what I'm going to do. And they didn't do anything about it. I don't know if they were scared they'd get in trouble or whatever. And um, because of this and social media and anxiety, it, it, it gets worse and worse. And um, so Clark um, – they have very low overhead, which is important to me. I had a friend. She worked at United Way. This is years ago. I'll never forget. We were sitting at Las Margaritas, drinking margaritas out on the deck. This 25 years ago. She told me her salary. She made good money working for United Way. And I said, Rona, if I give you a dollar, how much of that dollar really goes to help somebody? She said, maybe a dime. Oh, God. And unfortunately, and you can you can look this up online. There's a website that shows what Salvation Army and Red Cross and United Way. And I'm not knocking them. They, they do help a lot of people, but they have to have a lot of resources. You have to pay people to fundraise, right? But I, I think Jason Foundation, their overhead's 3%. And so I know every dollar I give them, 97 cents is going to help raise awareness for teenage suicide. And I really got involved. Um, my daughter went to Baylor and they have chapel once a week and the whole student body comes in. And a lot of times they have speakers. And so I went to the chaplain and said, can I have Clark Flat come speak to the school? And uh, Clark told his story about his son and um that night, the chaplain reached out to me and said, a 14-year-old female came to my office and said, I was going to take my life before I heard that guy speak. So I know it makes a difference, and um, I'm getting close to not having a teenager, which is sad, but <laughs> uh, I'll always believe and support that cause because I think it's the number two reason for a teenager's death next to car accidents. And so if we can do something about it and spread the word, they work with teachers. They they teach the warning signs to parents, which sometimes they're oblivious to. Parents don't pay attention. They don't know. Teachers we don't, know. don't know. And so they, they help share what to look for to be able to help prevent suicide. So. Having a two and a six-year-old boy I, that is not influenced yet by, you know, their phones completely – um, not that they have phones, but by social media and stuff, I, it's going to be a challenge for us. So that's something that I would never want to experience, obviously. But how can we donate? Is, do we just do Google Jason Foundation? Yeah, it's the Jason Foundation. Or if you go to my website, mattholander.com, there's a link on there. And then if you buy a book on Amazon or Apple or Audible or Sound or wherever you buy books, um, we're literally giving every penny to them. Uh, we just had a 
a book signing um, at Gibson Guitar last week, and I gave them their first $5,000, and I hope to keep doing that if we continue to sell books. Awesome. That's great stuff, man. What a great guest. Uh, what else do you want to tell our audience about you, Matt Hollander? Oh, I don't want it to be about me. I just I like helping people, and if there's somebody out there that needs help in any way, reach out and read the book. Um, I think it does make a difference. You know, for me to promote this book, which podcasts help, and I don't like social media. I do it, but I've got a lady that helps me um, market the book, and she's like, "You have to send me a TikTok video every day, and you've got to." And I, 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 I cringe at that. But if it helps sell books and helps the Jason Foundation, I'll do it. But I'm I'm really trying to do it a more organic way, which is just talking to you all and and spreading the word that way, and you telling your friend and your friend telling another friend, and hopefully um, they'll always. I mean, I just released the book three months ago, but um, there's always a new audience um, that you know has never heard of my book. There's a new audience of maybe a business sector or another country that's never heard of the book. So even though I say screw goals, um, I'd love before I'm dead for a million books to be in the hands of people that it might can make a difference for. Is there a, um, another book in your head? Uh, no, <laughs> um, there's things about this book I would change. Um, I was just really trying to, and I'm, maybe little shout out to myself. I'm kind of proud of myself for finishing it, but I had to just hammer through and get it done. And I think that it's an eight out of 10. I think I could make it a nine or 10 out of 10. Uh, I would tweak a couple of the principles, maybe take a story out and add a couple of stories. And so maybe one day I'll have the daily climb version two. Uh, and I self published it with a local publisher. So I'm not with, um, what they call a hybrid or a traditional publisher and you're probably not going to see it at the Atlanta airport, but I hope it, you know, gets out there and I could go that route. Um, but that's just not who I am. I don't want somebody, I guess, telling me what to do with my own book. So I'm going to try to do it on my own. I think the daily climb 2.0 and then 3.0 and 4.0 lives out your principles. I mean, that's getting better, right? Yeah, just get a little bit better every day. And I think that's the, the whole message for anybody listening. And I know we've said it like three or four times now, but people listening or the three of you, like I talk about have that vision, but do you really do it? Do you really sit down? And, you know, I have a personal vision statement. It's in the book. I tweak it once a year. It stays on my desktop, on my computer, and I look at it every week and I tweak it. And it's different now than when I wrote the book. But it's who do you want to be? And here, here's, a, I guess, a problem that most people have. They give too many shits about what other people think. And um, I just got to a point in my life where I didn't care what the guy at the country club thought about me or that I'm doing this podcast or that I wanted to put my life and my failures in print. And if it helps other people, I, I just don't care. So I think people should, you know, give a shit less about what other people think, figure out what you want the vision for your life to be. And then when you wake up every morning, instead of going directly to this rectangle thing, talk to the big man, start your day off right and get a teeny bit better and know that I'm going to screw up this week. 
uh, I'm going to have one too many drinks or I'm going to whatever you're going to. But then you can't just sit there and self-pity and be mad about that. You okay, you did it. You screwed up. Now, tomorrow's a new day and just um, keep trying to get better every day. I know that's a very simple self-help tactic, but it's um, something that I don't think most people do because they think they need to write down their five goals and read them every morning. And it just, it doesn't work. I mean, I don't know how many, maybe there's a handful of people listening to this that that works for them, but I think 95%, it does not work. And so I'm just saying, take a different approach to it to get better. I love it. I love the fact that you say, uh, you know, maybe you do have one too many drinks or maybe, you know, you don't do the right. Maybe you take a step backwards. But if you take two steps forwards, guess what? That's one step forward still. You're you're still moving forward and uh, it's going to happen. We all screw up. I mean, I try to eat healthy. Last night I was at Macklemore and they brought dessert and I don't normally eat dessert and I ate it. But I'm going to walk my five miles when I leave here. So, you know, it's just try to get better and and you know i think another message people need to hear is you're going to cross somebody's path that needs your help and you might not know it but if you're if you're open i mean it happens to me because i'm open-minded about it it can be at the Publix, it can be at the car wash it it happens a lot because I'm open to it. And if I were closed minded, those opportunities would never happen. And I've met some unbelievable people along the way. Like just, I'm reflecting on what happened in the last week. I mean, when I was at that Gibson guitar event and, and and stuff happens that helps, like it multiplies. It's a domino effect. Kessler Kaufman, shout out Kessler. He has a local nonprofit called Dynamo. And they take kids from inner city schools and they go to Dynamo Studios and he teaches them how to produce music and do photography. I took him to lunch one day and I wanted him to meet Jimmy White. And I said, I don't know why you two need to meet. It was just put on my heart to have lunch with the two of you. Well, that's led now to um, a project that Kessler's doing at the Bend. Uh, He got the support from even Weston Womp, the mayor, and Tim Kelly, the city mayor. And they're going to build a studio that brings people to Chattanooga to um, help. And it's just, I run into that every week, and it blows my mind that I can help people by being open to taking that lunch. And I think that 99% of the world is closed-minded and don't think that way. And I, I'm in my book, I'm trying to encourage them to to think that way and see what God brings to you today. That's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing, Matt. Before we uh, before we wrap here, there's one question that we always ask on our podcast, which is if you were going to go back to square one and you're going to tell your younger self one piece of advice, one piece of info that was going to make a difference in your life, what would that look like? You know, I, I reflected on that. You emailed, you emailed me that question, and I could give 10 answers. Uh, but the one I, I kept coming back to was uh, go bigger, dream bigger, think bigger. If somebody else can do it, you can do it. And, um, 
you know, whether it was like when I sold my business or whatever my, my next ventures are going to be, it's just don't think small. You can do it if somebody else did it. Figure out how to do it. Find the help. Find the resources. Uh, raise the money. Whatever it takes, just go bigger. And that's for everybody. If you're already big or if you're a nobody, you can be somebody if you – uh, think bigger and find the people to help you uh, get there. And that's what I've always done. If if I didn't know how to do something, I found somebody that had already done it. And I learned from them versus me trying to figure it out on my own. And those people are out there that'll help. What a great time. What a plethora of knowledge and uh, an inspiration, Matt Hollander. Thank you very much, everybody. Uh, please check out The Daily Climb from Matt Hollander. Thank, Thank you all for having me. Thank you for listening to Square One Podcast, a podcast brought to you by Omni Home Services, where we rep Chattanooga Home Inspector, Nuclear Pest Control, Elevate Home Staging and Design, and Radon Eraser. We release a new episode each week, so be sure to subscribe on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen to podcasts so that you never miss an episode.